Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut. I'm an ASC cinematographer, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about something. Getting started in this industry is almost impossible. And my wife, Lydia, and I, 14 years ago, created a resource called Filmmakers Academy to make it possible. We saw a lot of gatekeeping in this industry and not a lot of sharing knowledge. So we wanted to pull back the curtain, give you confidence, teach you all the necessary skills to be an amazing, successful filmmaker, and package it all on this online resource that you have at your fingertips, on set, on your phone, on your laptop, whatever it is. So we're going to give you $50. So if you go into the show notes, click the link, and hit the promo code FAPOD50, you're going to get $50 on your first year of an all-access membership. And I cannot wait for you to join our immense and immersive community at Filmmakers Academy, where we network, we share knowledge, we just bond as this huge filmmaking uh, resource to ignite your creativity and push you beyond your boundaries. I cannot wait to see you in the Academy, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome to Shane's Inner Circle Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Lydia. This is Lydia coming to you this month, and I am super jazzed about it. And thank you for the opportunity to participate in the Inner Circle. I just wanted to take a moment to say how much each and every one of you really means to us, your participation, your voice. Please keep submitting the questions that you do, not only for the podcast, but on our Facebook page and on blog posts in whatever way you contribute, because this community is growing and really, really valuable with all of the knowledge that you all contribute. So um, the way that that it becomes even more special is by really hearing from each individual. So don't hold back. Don't be embarrassed. Just dive in there and let your voice be heard. Okay, now on to the podcast. Question number one. I have a wife and three kids, 13, 11, and a one-year-old. I have found that my limit seems to be three weeks away from the family. How do you balance, find a balance with shoots that go on for months on end? This is a question for Shane and Lydia. Thanks for the much needed resource. Wow, well, that's a great question. I'm going to answer it today from my perspective. And I will say that three kids, I only have two. So uh, I'll, I'll share what Shane and I have done. And congratulations to you. This choice really comes down, in my mind, to a variety of things. Are you shooting features? Are you shooting commercials? Are you shooting documentaries? It's really choosing what part of the film industry that you resonate with, but also potentially what works for your family. 
Now, our case is a little bit unusual because Shane has been shooting features since before our daughter was born. And my children have only known him as a feature cinematographer. So it's not as though Shane's career just exploded after we have children. So I think that it's very important. What is the baseline? What are they used to? Because if you're choosing to go a route that is going to really impact your family and they're used to you being away all the time, then obvious, I mean, I'm sorry, home all the time, then that's obviously a very important discussion before you pursue that. When our children were little, Shane and I both felt very strongly that one parent needed to be around and not just when they were little, but consistently all the way through because of the travel that was involved in his career. And so when Kira, our oldest, who's now 17, was a baby and Shane was traveling to Canada at that time to shoot skulls, I remember really not wanting to have her away from him so much because she was around 12 months. And so we traveled very easily with Shane and spent, just stayed wherever he was. And then when he was working nights, which a lot of skulls was, I remember very clearly getting Kira up quietly in the morning and sneaking out so he could sleep. And, you know, we just adapted to those circumstances. Now, as Kira got in preschool and then in school, we felt very strongly about having a home base and having her involved in AOISO and the local community and really kind of getting to know our neighbors and not always being on the road because we felt that the set environment, though it's very important to know how to navigate that, is only one part of the world. And having some sort of spiritual grounding for us, having a close-knit community and neighborhood, very similar in the way that Shane and I grew up, and having her in neighborhood schools and sports and whatever other interests she had would build other parts of her character that were equally important. And when Miles came along, and he's now 14, so he's about three and a half years young, younger than Kira, it was very difficult to travel with both of them by myself and to kind of globe trot with Shane. So then it became that we would go, um, summers were very easy, but during the school year for fall break, obviously Christmas break and then spring break. And if we needed a trip in between, then I would take the kids out of school if they were really, really missing him. Shane has an extraordinary way of connecting with both children on a daily basis when he's on the road and myself. And so he's very present. So for a while we did Skype at dinner or FaceTime at dinner so that we were all still having dinner together and using technology. It's just that he was wherever he was in the world. And that was very, very effective depending on the children, and this is a huge part of it, the personalities of the children, what their needs are. Um, When Shane used to come and go a bit, we tried that for a few times. So if he had a three-day, he would come back to us or a four-day weekend and instead of all of us having to travel to him. But that was actually harder on my children because it was like a tease of him being home. 
So we found that when Shane left, it was better for us to go to him and to have him present as much as possible. Now, some movies were just a few months, and I know that sounds crazy, but when you're used to it, this is your world. And so some were two months, some were three months, um, and then some were as long as 11 months. So obviously, with that amount of time, it's a whole different set of circumstances, and it's really mapping out. You know, we try to do once a month as our limit, um, but sometimes it would push out to five weeks or six weeks, just depending. So again, this is a very, very individual choice for your family. And I don't believe that there's one right or one wrong because there's so many variables, but I hope that our experience has helped in some way. Okay, on to question number two. Congratulations on 25 years of marriage. That's amazing. I actually have wondered about that after spending a year of following this site. I've actually often wondered how you deal with the demands of Shane, Shane's work has on him and his schedule within the marriage and family construct. I don't want to ask too many personal questions, but I'm really interested. I value my relationship in the marriage covenant, but oftentimes finding myself having to choose either the relationship or my work and quality work. How is it that you've been able to make a long-lasting marriage work within the interesting demands that Hollywood places on Shane? Hope this is not too intrusive, but a balanced personal life with work is a topic that is still within the bounds of how to be a great DP or filmmaker, I feel. It can be depressing sometimes loving my work, but finding myself asking bigger questions about life when flying all over the world for shoots and then hunkered down in a cave editing while everyone else gets to enjoy a family. I love my work and where I'm at with it, but I don't want to miss out on other blessings life has to offer. Well, first of all, thank you so much for that incredibly in-depth and very thoughtful question and for the compliment on marriage. Shane and I have been together for so long. And I think it's very challenging to be married within the demands of the film industry. And I'm actually very, very proud that we have, um, that we're still happy together, that we still dig each other after being together for so many years. Now, this, the secret recipe to that or what makes that work is very individual. And we're both incredibly independent human beings. I think that that has helped enormously. We've always had equality in our marriage. Um, a lot of fun and laughter because Shane is hilarious and he, he thinks I'm funny too. And so it's this wonderful dynamic where we banter back and forth with a lot of humor and sarcasm. And I think we've also really worked at the communication piece because that is critical to be a, an excellent communicator because truthfully, everyone is responsible for their own happiness. This is my belief here, but it's not somebody else's job to make you happy. It's your job to make yourself happy, to ask what you need from the other person and to explain 
you know, to them what the demands of your work are. And obviously with the industry, it's all consuming. So how does that work? Well, Shane and I and the children always communicate during his lunch hour or dinner hour, depending on set. So when he's scheduling his time, he always makes time for a quick phone call. And then either at the beginning of the day on his drive into work or at the end of the day. So he's really great about checking in very regularly. Um, In terms of choosing which projects, and I totally understand the quality of the work. I mean, Shane's done everything from $5 million to $125 million budgets. The $100 million plus really involve an extraordinary amount of time away. And we have decided not to actively seek those out um, just because it is so difficult on the family. And so Shane really is about, you know, um, telling very interesting stories now, but not quite at that level of, you know, 150 million, 100 plus million, because the demands, um, he feels as though he misses out too much on family. And then it's really reintegrating yourself back in after being in that mode for so long. I think um, on set, you have a lot of needs catered to, especially as a director of photography. And I think it's really when Shane is home, he's, he's home. And that means he's cooking and cleaning and helping with homework and not a prima donna in any way. Um, He loves to cook and he does the majority of our cooking and I'm burned out when, you know, when I've done it the whole time he's been gone. So um, the kids really see him as just dad and, and not Mr. Shane, the incredible cinematographer. Um, He does share all of his footage, everything that he's cutting, if he recuts his reel or if he has a clip of a movie so that they understand uh, what it is that he does. (laughs) I know that sounds strange, but you know, kids are in their own world and they're in school and they're with their friends and whatever hobbies. And so it's very important that they have a sense of what he does. When possible, we take them to set and they really observe him firsthand in action. And we usually make it around a lunch so that we can go for a few hours have lunch with him or dinner with him and then leave. And, you know, everybody feels successful. They got to see a little bit, but it's not like they were stuck there for too long. So they could still have time with their friends. Both of my kids love being on set and they're, they're fascinated with it. They, they're very inquisitive. And, um, I think that's because it's, it's been a special thing and not a consistent thing. So that's what's worked for our family. Um, Shane and I take really regular time. We've always done date nights and um, to reconnect with one another outside of just being parents and the needs of the children. We regularly have taken time away just a few days, but had parents or a friend watch our kids so we could go and just get some time, just the two of us. And we do relationship updates. So what we 
what we love about our relationship, where we feel we're really successful, and then going into a little bit more about um, where we would like to be and things that we need to work on. So it's a constantly evolving process where um, we're both putting a lot of time and energy into it. I think we're also incredibly respectful of one another's skill sets and passions and independence and families. And we have a very, very uh, strict set of core values that we really make decisions on. So it becomes very easy to um, know how and where you want to spend your time once you've identified those, those core values. Now, I think the most challenging thing that we are facing right now is, is as the business grows, as Hurlbut Visuals grows and Shane's inner circle grows, how to balance it all, how to balance the demands of technology and actually getting time together. Um, and so that's been a real challenge for us. And I find myself, you know, resisting technology more and more and more. And it's not that I'm against tech per se, but it was supposed to set us free and liberate us from the mundane, time-consuming tasks so we could do great things and solve problems. And I feel like technology has now become so intrusive and invasive and is actually hurting relationships based on the amount of time that people are spending on it. So that's just my personal, um, you know, belief on that. But I, I think I'll get to that in the, in another question coming up about challenges. Um, it is, I will also add to this question that it is very, very difficult for Shane to be away from us in a totally different way than it is for us to be away from him. Because when you think about it, we're at home with all of the usual routine and usual friends and support system. Shane is either on set, you know, most of the time and then in an apartment or, you know, in a, in a studio or in a hotel room, depending on the project. And it's very difficult for him because I think he almost in a strange way misses us more. Um, and you know, then throws himself into work when he's not um, communicating with us. So I, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I do understand what this inner circle member whose name I don't have was saying and that it can be depressing to love your work, but then feel like you're missing out on so many huge milestones. And I think at that point, it is really about the connection between the individual and the person on set. So for example, this year, um, Shane is most likely having to miss my daughter's high school graduation because he's going to be on set. And she was initially very upset about that, but has an understanding that she wants to go into the film industry. This is just the demands of a shoot and Shane's been able to do very special things with her, such as certain college tours and one-on-one -on -one time that the two of them have spent together prior to his leaving. 
so that then Kira feels much more at peace with the fact that, okay, he can't be there for that particular day, but he's so involved in her life on a variety of other levels that it's one day in time. And I think it's really framing it and how you, how you approach life. It's a mental game. So I've been very, very careful never to resent the time that Shane is gone and, and, you know, communicate with my children. Oh my gosh, your father's never here. I've never done any of that because I know that even though, um, it's very difficult when he's not here. That's certainly not helping anybody's view of the situation. And so it's much more about how can we get proactive if it's not working at this point in time, if he, if everybody's missing Shane and we have felt like he's been gone way too long, then how do we get there to see him versus being angry and resentful about the fact that he's not home? And so that's always the mental attitude that I have taken. And I think it's really important to be honest and upfront about how you're feeling, communicate that, and then figure out a solution instead of just the go-to response that's easy, if that makes sense. So I think that has answered that question. I'm just reading the very end of it. Um, I do say that I think it's important to take time off from the industry um, to prevent burnout and to feel like you're out of the grind for a while so that you can refresh your creativity. So if you've been on a very, very long project, it is critical to decompress, to reconnect with your family, and to you know, do whatever fuels your creativity, because otherwise you just feel that at least what Shane has shared with me is that you're just working 24 seven and you're working so hard and you're just, you feel like you're missing all of the other blessings in life. So every year, for example, we go to see his parents in the summer. We go to see my dad at Christmas. We make these family gatherings a real priority and something that our children can count on. We always do a summer vacation and Shane takes certain times during the year where he really decompresses. He goes to museums, he fuels his own internal creativity so that he's refreshed and then ready to tackle the next project. Question number three, do you have any advice for spouses in business together? From what I've seen of Shane, he seems like a very high energy guy. Do you have to match that energy? This is a growing edge in my 28-year relationship with my wife. We get along in almost every respect, almost no friction. But when we do a project together, we don't always find it quite as smooth. We each have quite different approaches to getting things done. Thanks again. Okay, I love this question because... Let me just say, there is no way I could match Shane's energy level. He is extraordinary. I really deeply appreciate his energy. I think it's a God-given gift, and I don't have it. I'm a sleeper, love my sleep. I love kind of quiet downtime. 
I'm a people person at certain times and very much a, I don't know if you say hermit, but I need my alone time as well to meditate and exercise and just do my thing. So um, no, you absolutely do not have to match that person's energy. Being in business with your spouse, up until we started Hurlbutt Visuals, Shane and I were in very different fields. I started out as a pediatric nurse. Shane obviously was always in the industry. So he was a third electric, I'm sorry, third grip making his way up. I was doing nursing at Children's Hospital. Then I did um, pre-med and all of that course curriculum, was going to do medical school, but chose to get a master's in forensics instead. So again, I was always science-based and um, very, very studious. Shane did his degree at Emerson and then just dove right into the film industry. And we had completely different paths. Ironically, I always supported Shane and he always supported me in my work. I used to keep his calendar years ago um, when he was a grip and a gaffer. I used to invoice for him on my days off from nursing. So I've always been peripherally involved in the industry, knowing the players, knowing the relationships. And it really wasn't until 2009 that we started working together. Now, I think what makes it interesting, and believe me, it's not always 100% smooth because Shane and I are very equally opinionated and very, very strong personalities. But I think what makes it work is having our area of expertise. So I happen to be, I think, much more gifted in communication and relationships and um, really kind of reading people, if you will, um, in addition to business strategy. And Shane obviously has a God-given talent in lighting and as a cinematographer, an entire skill set that I don't. And so I think it's really knowing where your strengths lie, what you're really good at, and approaching, I would never tell Shane how to light something. I would give my opinion, did I like it? Did I not like it? But I would never say, oh my gosh, why are you picking that light? Or why are you doing that lens or whatever? Because honestly, it's just not my world. And Shane, in a very similar vein, does not tell me how to do leadership or communication strategies or, you know, kind of my role as CEO. He doesn't tell me what bills I have to pay or the finance piece of it. He really stays out of it and just lets me handle that part. So I think uh, business strategy, you know, he will offer ideas and opinions and say, hey, why don't we do this? Or have you thought about that? Or I've got a great idea for this new bundle, that type of thing based on what he thinks inner circle members are wanting and needing. But he overall the strategy of the business, I share it with him and he'll offer feedback, but he doesn't take that on as his own. So I think it's, it's really understanding, um, 
where your skill set lies and who's doing what, and then really not stepping on the other person's toes in terms of trying to micromanage them in that role. Um, when there's an issue between the two of you, just as Shane and I do, we really talk it out very, very quickly, get it resolved and move on. And I think that that is the really important piece is that I'm not a grudge holder. I don't um, hold resentments. I'm, I'm very much a straight shooter in my communication technique and in the way that I relate to people. So if there's a problem, um, we will have the difficult discussion for sure as quickly as possible when it works for everybody. And then we figure out a resolution and just move on. So I think that's very important as well, because there's no use in holding on to anything. And there's certain times where you're just going to disagree because it's business. And then you just agree to disagree and move on. Unless ultimately somebody has to quote unquote win. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's it, for me, it's not about the ego. It's not about who's right and who's wrong and who had the better idea. It's really the greater vision of how can we make this as special and extraordinary for our membership, for our blog readers, for the overall vision of the business and the value delivered. And I think when you look at the really big picture, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the minutia of everything, but really expand that out and look at the big picture so that you can see, okay, does it really matter that much? And is this my own ego getting in the way? Or is it something that's really impacting the business? That's a very important question to ask yourself. Um, having different approaches is awesome and should be incredibly valued because how boring would the world be if we all approach things the exact same way? So I think that's extraordinary. And I think it's in, it's critical to have different approaches in the way that you you know, go about something. So I would say embrace the differences, embrace the unique skill set, and, you know, have fun in business. I mean, that's the other thing. I think it's, I think you can lose fun when you're in the detail too much and really forget why you started this business in the first place. I mean, I'm all about having fun and and joy and laughter when you're doing business. I love my team. I love the people that I work with and I feel so honored to lead them. And we have so much fun together and we, we laugh and we joke and we dig at each other. I mean, it's a really special, special working environment. And I think that it's really important to remember to have fun amidst the actual work that needs to get done and to remember the joy and why you're doing this. Um, so that's very critical too. Okay, moving on to the next question. Hello, Lydia. First, I want to say thank you for taking the time to answer these questions. And I would like to say you're welcome. My question is a two-parter about what to do after graduation. I'm not sure where to start in determining my first move after film school, stay local and get as much DP work as I can and build a stronger reel, move to LA, start at the bottom, 
moved to Atlanta and try to start at the bottom. What is your ideology in helping Shane decide what to do next? Are there any key questions or philosophies that you use as a sort of roadmap when helping him make the next big decision? Thank you. Chandler from South Carolina. Okay, Chandler. Wow, there's a lot in this question. Um, I will use Shane's experience as an example. And obviously, we can give our opinion. Um, but but you also really need to listen to your intuition in making your choice. And I think that this is something that people don't necessarily do a lot. I I really use my intuition to guide me in really important decisions in life because your gut will tell you what you need to do. And I think a lot of times we just don't listen to our own intuition. So for Shane, and this is a number of years ago now, but um, he waited in Boston for me to graduate because we were both there in college and I was a year behind because I'm one year younger than Shane. And so he chose to stay in the local marketplace and get as much experience as he possibly could and make as much money as he could for a year. Now that decision was not based on, you know, was it staying local and getting as much DP work, it was really based from waiting for me to graduate and needing to earn money. But I would say it really depends on opportunity. If you have an incredible opportunity in South Carolina, in Atlanta, and it's something that you could put on your reel to make it stronger, I think it's very important to take advantage of that. Because if you just move from film school to LA, who knows what's out here? And you know that it, it really is a starting over process. And Shane had said that as well. He he said that when he moved from Boston to LA, it was starting at ground zero. I mean, he was packing shelves, you know, at a rental company after having been producing and shooting in Boston. So I think it's very important to save up money as much as you can, especially if you're going to make that jump to LA because it's expensive and you have to be practical in your decision-making. So I think that you try to be thoughtful in your planning. And if you have opportunities there, for sure, take advantage of them. And then really network to your family, to friends, to whoever in LA, and let them know in advance that you're coming when you're ready to make that move. And, you know, then do whatever it takes. And this is the biggest thing. Every experience that you have builds on the next experience. So, you know, I know Shane has talked about working um, in a rental house as one avenue. Another is being a PA. Another is just whatever opportunities in the industry that you can get your hands on. And it really comes down to your attitude, your eagerness, as much as your skill set, because honestly, that's what people remember. If you're the hard worker that just dives in there and does whatever's asked and how can I help? What can I do? That is what people are going to remember. As you know, if you have equal skill sets across the board, 
they're going to remember the person that had that phenomenal attitude that didn't get resentful or angry or discouraged or, you know, attitude is everything. So um, in terms of the ideology in helping Shane decide what to do next, with, with us, there was not a specific roadmap. So Shane started out in music videos while I was nursing and and doing pre-med. And then he really moved into commercials and loved doing commercials. And again, I was doing forensics while he was doing commercials and the schedule of commercials is lovely. But he he had the opportunity uh, to do the Rat Pack, his very first feature with Rob Cohen. And at that point, he he had to make a very important decision. And that was, was he willing to leave the world of commercials, not knowing if he could jump back into it? Because, you know, it's very difficult to do both commercials and features and, and dive back and forth because all of a sudden commercially you're unavailable when you're on the feature and then the directors have to go to somebody else because they have a commercial and they need somebody to shoot it. And then vice versa, when you're, you know, the features take such a long time and then you're finished and you call all your commercial directors, you know, have they now gone on to the next person and are they okay with just hiring you all of a sudden again when you abandon that, that, you know, for that amount of time? So it's very difficult to do both. So I think that you really have to decide um, where where your first love is. And for Shane, once he did narrative filmmaking, it's not that he doesn't love commercials because he does, but his heart is really in feature films. And that's, you know, he loves narrative storytelling. So once he did the Rat Pack, we recognized that. And then it's a matter of are you going to do back to back to back to back to back features? So be gone for for months and months and months at a time. So we decided at that point it would be, especially after we had children, one feature a year. Now, have we been able to stick to that exactly every single year? No. Sometimes a new project will bleed at the end of the year and, and you know, you can't always determine that. But we're we're really trying to do one feature a year and then in between that commercials and so it's communication is very very important because Shane has kept in close touch with the commercial people that he's worked with um while he's on the feature and also letting his agents know hey I'm you know they're very good about that as well you know communicating within the agency at WPA so Richard, his feature agent, will tell Steve, the commercial agent, hey, Shane's wrapping up in a few weeks. And then Steve starts planting the seeds with the commercial directors. And so it's really a synergistic um, thing. Now, you know, once we decided to do Hurlbut Visuals, which started very, very, very part-time on the blog, and then once we added the inner circle, um, now our decision-making is, okay, what is the feature for the year? And then once we know that feature, then what months are we going to be shooting content that we've committed to our members as a way of, you know, really delivering value? And 
how do we balance that with commercial shooting? So then, you know, it just becomes a trickier calendar and trickier time shift. So that's how really we make big decisions. Now for Shane, um, the budget is also another decision because at this point, it's very critical to him, the stories that he's involved with and the directors that he is meeting and involved with. And so the budgets are all over the place. And sometimes, you know, you you intentionally choose a lower budget project because the story is so incredible. The cast is so amazing. You've always wanted to work with that director. So it's really not so much about the money as it is about the quality of the project and who's involved in it and how you want to spend your time. So that's really how we make decisions at this point. Okay, next question. Thanks for enabling and encouraging Shane to keep sharing his vision and his craft. As an IC member, I am forever grateful for the knowledge shared with us. I have a question regarding the struggles of the first steps in Shane's career, having kids and keeping a healthy relationship. Shane often talks about his seemingly linear progression to become a successful DP. I am, however, interested in the toughest moments in both your lives and careers. Did you ever ever feel that there was no sense of direction in his project choices? Did he share his problems on set with you? Were you both ever lost, making it difficult to see if you would be able to pay your bills by the end of the month? Did he ever choose creativity with no pay versus a job that would leave him empty but to pay the bills? As a father, husband, and filmmaker, I'm really intrigued by this, and anything you can share or advice you find useful in retrospect would be very welcomed. Best, Rick. Wow, Rick. Okay, that's a that's a really tough question. And um, I think in looking at the number of years Shane has been shooting, um, are there times when, you know, you have to choose something because nothing else is on the horizon to do as a project? Absolutely. Um, I think that that people are not being truthful if they're not saying that. I mean, we would love to hear that, you know, the greatest stories come our way 24-7. But honestly, sometimes you get really, really incredibly lucky to have the finances match the incredible quality of the story. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. And so then you have a really important decision to make do you take the lower budget project because it's so incredible and the cast is incredible and the the director is incredible that you've always wanted to work with? And I would say if there's any way you can do that, yes, do it, because it always leads to something extraordinary. I think it's also about um, challenging yourself and doing something unique. So for a while, Shane did a lot of sports stories and or sports features. And then, you know, he did golf and he did baseball with Bernie Mac and he did um, football and, you know, kind of became the sports go-to guy. And that was great, but Shane really 
wanted to do other types of projects and romantic stories and, you know, um, heartful, heartfelt, really cutting edge emotional stories. And so then it became kind of getting out of that sports genre because Shane played sports his whole life. It came, became very natural to him and, and really trying to attract other types of storytelling. And, um, so I, again, a lot of choice goes into it. Do you always have the options? No. I think the toughest moments, and sure, have we had um, issues, especially earlier on, going, wow, how are we going to make it this month? Absolutely. And, you know, when you're first starting out and you buy your first home, and then all of a sudden, the film industry, you don't work for a while, and you've used up your savings to to purchase your home, and then you have kids, and or you start a business, and you've used everything to start the business. I mean, there are a lot of times where it's been very, very tight, and, um, you know, it, it's really being thoughtful in your decision making and being as creative as possible. Now, I would say at this point, it's really all about the project and the quality of the project, but it it wasn't always that way. So um, the most challenging thing for us right now is, is time and how to, uh, how does Shane really spend his time? Because it's so pulled and the constant, uh, number of questions and technology and everything that draws at his time. And it's how to be efficient and to really carve up where does he need to be giving his focus and how can we build out a team, especially for Hurlbut Visuals, to be able to help in that process. So that's our that's our current challenge. And I think with technology in general, again, just to beat this drum a little, it's very, very dangerous uh, because it's so addictive. And, you know, you think, oh, I'm just going to check Facebook for a second. And all of a sudden you've been on Facebook for a half hour looking at threads and looking at questions and giving your input. And, you know, then what are we teaching our children when we're doing that? Like, are we the parent that's on the screen. And so we really consciously in our home have a limit on technology and do it at certain times of the day and never have it, for example, at dinner and really have as much uh, family FaceTime when Shane's at home. And that way, because we know that we don't always have him. And so family time and being together in nature and outside of just, you know, technology and and answering questions and that type of thing is is so very, very important. And really connecting with what the kids are interested in and what do we as a family want to stand for and how can we be involved in our community and with our neighbors? I mean, all of those things, when we're looking at time, is, uh, I think, plays into how we make decisions. Okay, last question. 
Hi, Lydia. First, allow me to thank you for your immense involvement with the Inner Circle and for running the shows backstage. My question is regarding work-life balance. For all of us at the Inner Circle, work is what we love doing. Well, this is a great gift. The curse is that we can work hours and hours, sometimes into the night, losing that healthy balance. My uncle always says to break my day into three, eight hours of sleep, eight hours for work, eight hours for play and wellness. I know that working only eight isn't realistic. It's often much more than that on certain days, but there's still a lot of room for improvement for me in balancing. What have you learned from your experience regarding balancing your life with work, as well as making sure that Shane's work life is balanced with family time? Any guidelines you try to stick to or successful daily routines? Wishing you and your beautiful family a great year. Thanks again, Kobe. Kobe, I love this question, and I thank you so much for asking it. I have always been about balance, but as I've aged, um, it's much more about flow. So I drove myself crazy for a lot of years trying to carve out times for balance because I would just get pulled in a hundred directions. And I realized after a while, after talking to my friend, Nancy Gale, in depth about this, she's one of the women entrepreneurs that I really rely on and go to. And my other friend, Star, who's a fellow female entrepreneur and very, both very, very, very dear friends of mine, there is no balance. As a mother, as a wife, as a business owner, you are constantly in flow. And so when I work out, I try to work out with my children and working out is something that I'm modeling for them, but it's also, so we work out together. Shane and I love working out together. It's something we really enjoy. And so we try to start our day that way where we're, even if it's just 30 minutes, I think also having these high, you have to set realistic goals. And when I'm trying to get two kids out the door and get to work in the morning Um, whether it's in my home office or going into the office at work, I may only have 30 minutes. So it's like, how do I take that 30 minutes in the morning and get the most out of it? And this is how my mind works. And then eating healthy and and really focusing on nutrition is something very, very important, Um, as well as obviously getting enough rest. And I really turn, I'm not great in the evenings. I I get very, very tired. And I'm, you know, as I'm up about five, 5.30 every morning, I am an early to bed person um, just so that I can be there for my kids to make lunches and do whatever I need to do in the morning and take the time for myself to work out and meditate. So Here's my daily routine. I get up about 5, 5.30. I usually spend 15 to 20 minutes in meditation to set my brain for the day. And then I try to work out, take care of my dogs, do lunches, all of that. Kids get up, um, feed them a healthy breakfast, get them out and drive them to school. My son, my daughter's driving herself. And then, you know, I set chunks of time in the day, for example, for writing or for Um, business strategy. I know that I'm much better in the morning. I have certain times of the day where I answer emails and after school is my, I'm I'm kind of tired at the end of the day. I mean, my whole day is around the school day. So I have meetings in the morning. I do business strategy in the morning. 
um, or midday. And then anytime after three, I am with my children. And, you know, that may mean an after school activity, helping with homework, getting dinner ready, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, maybe working out a little bit, taking the dogs for the walk at the end of the day, just to decompress. Miles and I did that the other day and we had such a blast. And then, you know, it's really evening time is family time, connecting, hearing about the kids' days and Shane, when he's here, hearing about his day and and how life is going. And then that's kind of our daily routine. We see friends on the weekends and um, sometimes during the week they'll pop by. But so it's really this flow that happens and not having a rigid like, this is my workout time. And because I think with children, especially, and an evolving and growing business, you just never know. And I don't beat myself up if I don't get things um, done. It just goes on the list. And I think it's it's also very much about how can I be the best person moment to moment in the day that I can be? Well, that is by taking care of myself, by meeting my own needs. And those are exercise, nutrition, and sleep. And then I am pleasant and happy and fun and joyful. And I'm I'm able to be there for others. But it, it's really, I think for women, especially, it can be particularly difficult. And I get into this trap myself when I am too stretched and I am not advocating for what I need. I'm just meeting everybody else's needs and not meeting my own. And I think it's very easy to do that as a filmmaker as well. You have to in the ways that you can when you're not on set to really be conscious and aware of how are you taking care of yourself or if you have two days off and you can't exercise for the five days that you're on set, then on those two days, really making a conscious effort to work out, to fill yourself back up so that you can then hit it hard when you're doing the 14 or 16 hour days. And I think that productivity comes from really, really being engaged and present and focused and not as scattered. So I hope that works and is helpful for you, Kobe. And thanks for that wonderful question. Well, we are out of time on this podcast. And I thank you so much for your kind listening. I've really enjoyed spending this time with you and wanted to remind you again, don't forget to submit those questions because they're really, really critical in the sharing of the community, the building of the community. I think that I always learn by answering these questions and um, I hope that we all learn and grow uh, as filmmakers, as human beings, as leaders. So have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the month. And I thank you so much. If you're looking to challenge yourself, if you're looking to become a better filmmaker, as well as being mentored from 30 years of experience, go to shanesinnercircle.com. Knowledge you can trust, people that care. That's exactly what happens in our loving global film community of shanesinnercircle.com. Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And my wife and I have created this incredible resource called the Filmmakers Academy. 
and we'd love for you to download and rate our app. If you're a filmmaker, do yourself a favor and download the Filmmakers Academy app today. It's available wherever you get your apps, most notably the App Store, Google Play, Amazon App Store, and the Roku Channel Store. The app includes everything on the platform for all access members and from content to community and coaching opportunities, everything you need to master your craft. So download the app. And this is the most important part. Be sure to rate it. Rating us really helps us spread the word and enhance our rankings in this dedicated app store. So if you love what we're doing, this is a way to show it. Together, let's take your career as a filmmaker to the next level.